All right. You want my review? Um, zero to ten. Where were the rest of the Thundercats? Come on. Come on. No. Black Panther. Calm down. I didn't mean that. You don't have to. Welcome back to the Millennial Mission Pod, baby. Today we're talking about Black Panther, the mega hit, and in my opinion, most interesting Marvel movie ever made. Unlike pretty much every superhero movie before, there's so many rich themes present, of which today we're only going to focus on a few of them, but we're going to focus on redemption, the role of knowing one's story and the story of everything, and the mission of those who have to the have-nots. Quick disclaimer, this pod has some very very minor spoilers so go see the movie if you still want to before listening to this but you don't necessarily need to watch the movie to enjoy this podcast because we really just use the movie's themes as a jumping off point rather than dissecting the movie itself also since i had so much to say we've broken up this pod into two different parts the first part you're listening to now as my review of the movie in it and then dives headfirst into redemption and the importance of knowing the story of humanity Second part continues the theme of redemption with my boy, Samos the Black, and also the need as we as human beings in a church need for mission. So let's go. Marvel's Black Panther follows T'Challa, who after the death of his father, the king of Wakanda, and the events of Captain America Civil War, returns home to the isolated, technologically advanced African nation to succeed to the throne and take his rightful place as king. But when a powerful old enemy reappears, T'Challa's mettle as king and Black Panther is tested. When he is drawn into a formidable conflict that puts the fate of Wakanda and the entire world at risk. Faced with treachery and danger, the young king must rally his allies and release the full power of Black Panther to defeat his foes and secure the safety of his people and their way of life. All right, so despite that being, you know, the most generic sounding synopsis ever, Black Panther, it's it's a good movie. Um, Actually, no, no, it's, it's a great movie. Actually, dare I say it, it may be an excellent movie. So if I had to describe Black Panther in one word, it would that word would be refreshing. Everything about this movie just feels fresh. Like the plot, the characters, the setting, the visuals, besides some of the little CG stuff. The ideas, the bigger ideas that are going at play that made me make this podcast. All of this feels fresh. Especially when you consider like it's the 18th Marvel movie, you know, 20 millionth superhero movie to come out. One of just like all these blockbusters that Hollywood is shoving down our throat. This movie just feels so distinct and different. So we're going to talk about what makes this movie work and why I enjoyed it so much. So I'm going to compare it to an older movie, um, you know, one you've probably never heard of before, um, Star Wars. Yeah, you, you haven't heard of that before, right? So 
the ingredients, why I'm doing this is because the ingredients in Black Panther that work, I think are also the same ones that made people love the original Star Wars trilogy. So we're going to ignore the other Star Wars movies, especially especially the prequels. So a way to think about this is that Black Panther so and Star Wars contain the same ingredients, but at the same time, they're very distinct and different. So it's almost like with a cake or with a cookie, you know, they're made out of flour, sugar, butter, eggs, or whatever you, whatever you make those things out of, um, and chocolate, that too. Uh, but so they're made from the same ingredients, which make them awesome, but they're still distinct because of how they're made. So let me explain a little bit. So I'm going to go through a list of things that it shares, Black Panther shares with Star Wars that are kind of like occupy the heart of the movie. So first, Black Panther has an original vision for a fully lived-in world, which kind of reminds me of Star Wars being set in this like space opera with all this depth and context and the Clone Wars that dictate how these people act and interact with each other. So Black Panther is set in Wakanda. So it's really a setting we've never had, at least what I've seen in a movie, let alone a blockbuster. So it's imagine this like African superpower. So it's this distinctly African. So I have these beautiful colors and nature. But this place is set in the heart of Africa. And it's really the opposite of what we in the West think of as, as an African nation. Because it sits um, on an underground mountain of the most valuable metal in the world, vibranium. Instead of being, you know, like a third world country of instability, farmers like needing a f- in need of foreign aid, they possess vibranium. So this like basically a mountain of vibranium, which is the most powerful, valuable resource like in the world. They possessed it for thousands of years and you can use vibranium to make crazy technology like Captain America's shield. So they possess this for thousand years and their technology since then has lapped the outside world. But it's, they've also decided and made a distinct decision to isolate themselves from the world, to protect their tradition, to protect their technology from the outside world, those that can change their ways and steal what they have. So it's set in this modern yet ancient African superpower, which has this like beautiful Afrofuturistic style that's unlike anything we've seen before. There's like you have these amazing colors, these oranges, yellows, greens, purples, these crazy awesome costumes, the skyscrapers set along like nature. It's just beautiful. And there's also these rituals and rites of passage because of this tradition that's been handed on for thousands of years that dictate how these characters act. And it feels so like old but new and cool because it's not being done elsewhere in other movies. And even they have this like ritual combat. So T'Challa, he has to earn the kingdom. So he's going to become king. He has to earn the kingdom through ritual combat and like this awesome action scene. And there's these other like rites of passage that provide like a rich history to the world. That's really doesn't exist in other superhero movies, which like, you know, a lot of these other movies, they have a, a setting like in this kind of crazy cool place and may visually look good, but it's, it doesn't necessarily dictate how the characters act, which makes this movie so distinct. I'm going along with the rituals. There's a deep spiritual element in this movie, just as like the force gave Star Wars this sense of mystery and wonder um, in Black Panther. One of the characters gets buried and drinks this like, Juju juice. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Um, it, it makes it makes them have the Black Panther powers. So they go to the ancestral realm and meet their ancestors. So it's like the spiritual plane, and it's just really cool. That ritual reminds me actually a lot of like baptism. But in Black Panther, you know, there's more going on than what you can see in the physical world, which that's in Star Wars as well. 
Black Panther also, just like Star Wars, it's rooted in a family story. At its core, Star Wars is a story about a family. So it's about the Skywalkers. And Black Panther has the same, I don't know the, the last name, but it's about a royal family and this family that clearly loves each other, looks out for one another, cares for one another. And basically almost all the main characters in the movie are related somehow or have close friendships with the other characters. And the main family in this movie, T'Challa, Shuri, the Queen Mother, they feel like a real family. Like they mess around with one another. They troll one another. They sacrifice for one another. They grieve together when they, in like experiencing loss. And even just the way that they interact with each other. So like, you know, they look at each other, grin at one another, touch each other. It makes them feel like a real family and what I've rarely seen in a movie. And each one of them just does a phenomenal acting job. And that's pretty much like the entire cast. So let's, while we're at it, let's praise the whole cast because everyone rocked it. So you have like the dignified but relatable T'Challa, who plays Black Panther, to Mumbaku, who he's the leader of the mountain tribe, who he's like surprisingly hilarious. My dude, Gollum. So you got Andy Serkis actually not doing motion capture for one. So he plays this crazy Australian villain with a laser cannon coming out of his arm. Not to mention the awesome, strong female characters who become role models. So you have Nakia, T'Challa's love interest, Okaye, the general, and T'Challa's vibrant and feisty sister, Shuri, who's just delightful to watch. So every character feels distinct, authentic, memorable, and necessary. Like there's no wasted screen time. And everyone does an amazing active performance. And I cannot neglect to mention this great villain. So... That's one of my key points as well. So in Star Wars, like one of the most iconic characters is not really even Luke Skywalker. It's Darth Vader. And just in that same way, this movie, unlike most other Marvel movies, has a great villain that's perf- that's really amazingly acted. So Michael B. Jordan's character, Eric Killmonger, has to be one of the best villains we've seen in a blockbuster, particularly a Marvel one for a long time. And why I say Marvel is because Marvel is pretty much known for having trash villains besides... Well, I mean, ones that aren't memorable. You have like Loki, and then I, I, me, who I've probably seen like probably like 12 of the Marvel movies, I can't remember like half of the villains just because they're not memorable. They basically exist just to drive the movie so that Disney can make their money. And Killmonger, what makes him so compelling is because he's such like you're conflicted. And that's why I felt, I felt conflicted with my feelings for him because, yes, he's evil. But he's really a product of the circumstances and the loss he's experienced that are actually come a lot from the different characters who are on the good side. It's their choices that led him to suffer. But he And he's a product of his circumstances, but he's made his own choices as well. So his past, it's a tortured one. And it's so easy to see how with one little change, he could have like used all of his talents, his passions, his faculties like for good instead. And I'm like rooting for him to become good. So his ideals are radical and violent, but at the same time he sees the horrible problems and injustice of the world and done to black people in the world. And he sees that more clearly than the main character, T'Challa. But his solution is so rooted in his rage and his anger that it's evil and violent. So I don't I don't agree with the mef- methods of Killmonger, but he's like such a sympathetic character that I can't hate him at the same time. But you know, you're rooting for him still to lose. One of the biggest things I think that separated this movie from me were ideas that matter like there's themes that are actually relevant today 
that that isn't like, like that goes beyond Star Wars themes that actually matter. So there's actually compelling themes. So there's a reason we're not making a podcast about you know Thor Ragnarok, which is you know a pretty decent like entertaining fun movie, but it doesn't have those compelling things that underlie it. So man, this movie freaking con- confronts like head on complex issues in ways most movies just seriously don't have the cojones for. The last two Captain America movies they did like a pretty solid job. Um, with this, they had more going on underneath the surface. They don't do it anywhere near at the level of Black Panther. It reminds me a little bit of The Dark Knight. Um, I actually read a great article recently where one, um, the author of the article was talking about how like Dark Knight, the fundamental question of that movie is how do you deal with terrorism, with these people that are hell-bent on destroying you and literally nothing you do besides killing them can stop them? How do you stop them in a morally just way? So there's a lot of these deeper issues that matter now that Black Panther confronts. Obviously, the most important one or obvious one is race. And I'm not going to go too much into this because it, like race could be its own podcast in itself. And it is extremely important. And many actually others, like there's a great Nerdist column on it, um, have done it better than me. I do have an awesome podcast on race. So it's with, I recorded it with me and my friend Shaq Hill back when I was living in Flint. It's called Black in Flint City, USA. And it's about the Christian and Catholic response to racism and basically also Shaq's experiences growing up as a young black man and a lot of the fears and stuff he's grown up having. So if you want to hear that, listen to there. I will say one thing about like race like in this movie, though, that's just like so powerful. I know for a lot of women, when they watched Wonder Woman, they had these this feeling of like just identity, like with the main character of Wonder Woman, because it was amazing for them to see a woman who was strong but still feminine fighting for what was right and to have that representation. And what I've talked to with some of my, and even like seeing the social media from some of my like African-American and like black friends, they feel the same way. And that's what makes this movie important. And one of my friends, um, John, he was talking about how this movie doesn't feel like it's pandering to black people. Like as well, it just feels like it presents like this awesome vision that's not just trying to use race and get their money, but feels like it's empowering in that same way, which I I think is amazing. There's other key issues as well. So the ones I that made me go back home when I got back at eleven at night and write for forty five minutes, the first draft of this podcast, the ideas that matter. So redemption, having a cultural story, the responsibility and mission of those that possess great riches to share those riches as well while protecting their tradition. So these are what made the movie excellent. Like really, if I had to nitpick anything, any criticisms I have are just that. They're nitpicking because everything from the writing, visuals, characters, directing was all fantastic. If I had to nitpick a few things, one, I will say that the war rhinos were very unnecessary. (laughs) They didn't need to be there for any real reason. And two, the movie needed more tracks from the Kendrick Lamar produced version of the soundtrack because that soundtrack's freaking awesome dude having k dot on it so there's only like three kendrick songs in the movie and they were like all like they they weren't bad but they were like the least good ones from that so we need more of that because in my opinion kendrick lamar is the john williams um of hip-hop so quote me on that so if i was going to give this a recommendation yes i would fully recommend it go watch this movie do not miss it go to fandango right now get movie pass like I have. Um, I give it a rating of nine kittens out of a litter, which earns it the highest award I can possibly sell, um, the Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Award. 
which has actually just been sitting in my closet for the last 18 years. So, Black Panther, you get the Nickelodeon's Kid Choice Award. One of the themes, one of the many themes that stood out to me most and was the reason I made this podcast was redemption. Redemption in the role of stories, so redemption stories themselves, and also how when we have a cultural story, how that dictates you know, how we act, how we should live, and it transforms that. So I think a lot of the reasons, I talked about a lot of other ones, but why Black Panther works so well is because at its heart, it's a redemption story. It's about falling down, failing, rising from that failure, then getting up to set things right. And there's something about falling and getting back up that is just so rewarding to watch. I've seen, you know, it feels like the same story again and again and again. Like all my, many of my, not all, but maybe many of my favorite movies have this theme. So like the Dark Knight trilogy, there's basically every single one of those has a time where like Batman, he falls and fails and then he has to overcome that. Um, like in It's a Wonderful Life. I watched that movie every single Christmas, same kind of thing of failure and then overcoming it, getting back up. Good, bad, and the ugly. And many of my favorite movies from childhood. I feel like literally every childhood movie is about this in some way. Um, like my favorites when I was growing up was Toy Story and Lion King. This story has kind of been told over and over again because it rings true in our hearts, in our very humanity. It feels like a love for redemption stories seems to be woven in our DNA, our very humanity. So the beautiful context about Black Panther is what separates it from any other movie, definitely any other superhero movie I've ever seen. It Like, there's so much cultural history that's shared between all the characters, especially those in Wakanda, and thousands of years of history and tradition that dictates um, and it influences how they act. So every line, what they say, how they dress, everything is comes from that tradition that they have together. There are people in Wakanda who know their story and informs every aspect of their life. And their collective stories, it acts like a compass, if you think about it. So it's a compass pointing them towards acting the right way, the right way of which they should live. Each Wakandan receives their deepest identity from this collective story, and they know how they fit into that story. That's the crazy thing about it, is like everyone has the shared heritage and the shared story, but they also know where they fit in, where they are in the story. You know, thousands of years later in Wakanda history, how their lives in a very fundamental way are about continuing the dream of Wakanda and keeping tradition alive. And that influences how they act. And many characters, um, <laughs> I'm not going to go too spoilers, but characters in the movie give their lives for the story, to advance the story that is real to them. And I think something that's a huge problem in modern day, like Christians and Catholics, you know, whether those people who are, you know, still within the faith, who have left it, or even human beings that don't know their very meaning and purpose in life, is these people don't know the fundamental story about humanity, like that is our story, that should shape their very existence. So this story that answers their deepest questions about who am I? Where do I come from? What's the purpose in life? How should I live? What is good and evil? These very fundamental questions. And this is rooted in the story of Christianity because Christianity at its center is a story of redemption. 
It's a story of God's redeeming of man. So I'm going to go through and tell that story in most, basically almost its entire fullness. So we'll start at the very beginning. So the Big Bang. So God created everything in the universe. All matter created all from nothing. And he set the conditions for it, for it in motion. So all the laws of science, of physics, that would guide and God would continue to guide creation everything through these motions, through beyond these as well. So eventually, billions of years later, eventually in a tiny corner of the universe, he created earth, the earth. He filled it with uh, life, created, and then eventually he created human beings. And human beings are unlike anything ever to be created before. They're, we're a strange and unique creature that's made of both matter and spirit, that's capable of reason, free will, and loving relationship, a full relationship. However, somewhere early on in our history, we made a choice to turn away from God, who offered a relationship with him, our creator. For our own, you know, whatever selfish reasons, we made a choice to turn away from him, to choose to act in a lot of ways as our own God, dictating what was right and wrong. And this is the entrance of sin in the world. What sin is, in a very basic sense, is turning away from God and choosing what we desire and we want instead of the good that he's given us. So this sin has consequences. It cut us off from God so because we're refusing this life that he offered to him. It forever severed our relationship from him. And this sin also had effects in our hearts and our world. It polluted our hearts. It caused us to be selfish. It caused us to judge, kill, hurt, and steal, discriminate, and judge one another, to inflict injustice on each other. And it also brought into this world this like pollution of pain and suffering that God did not originally dictate when he, that he did not desire when he was creating it. It brought in death, pain, mystery, misery, not mystery, misery, disasters, as we were cut off from the source of all good, which is God himself. However, God, from the earliest moment, he did not abandon us, but instead he plotted a way to restore our relationship with him, to restore the harmony that we once had and what he intended for us. So over time, he began to reveal himself to our like descendants of like the original humans. He revealed himself and made covenants to a small portion of humanity, choosing through them to begin and grow his family, so his family, which he would have a special relationship in the tiny part of the world in the nearest, this kind of backwater portion of the world. So this first started with a marriage between two persons, uh, and God chose to extend his covenant of them, and then it, was, it grew into a family, and then a tribe of people, and then a nation, and then a kingdom. And so you can see throughout this, God slowly expanding like the portion of humanity that has the special relationship, choosing through them and through the small group of people to have this relationship. However, even though God was revealing himself and showing his nature and teaching humanity how to live, the proper way with which to live, to have a right relationship with God, we, at our core, humanity, we were still fundamentally broken from our first fall. So from our first turning away from sin, it undid you know, everything within us. And so we continued time and time and time again to separate ourselves from God on an individual scale, so in our individual hearts, when we would go against our consciences or the way that God set right before us to sin, or on a macro scale, and what nations would do to each other and to their own people, and choosing as a whole to not choose God. 
So God resolved to fix the real problem, the deeper problem that polluted the human heart in the world, this problem of sin that had not been done away with. And in this crazy, radical way to reveal the depths and severity of the love that God had for us humanity, he sent sent us his very son, Jesus, the second person of the triune God, to us here on earth. In Jesus, God lowered himself from the highest heavens to take on our humanity, to experience firsthand our life and our sufferings, and to show us through his example and his words and his actions a better way to live. However, sad part of the story, in keeping with the darkest part of a nature, we turn on this Jesus and we sentence him to die one of the most painful deaths possible. Although Jesus being God could at any time have chosen not to die or even to turn on humanity and to punish all of us and to wipe humanity from existence for our crimes and turning against him, he instead lowered himself even further. He took all of our crimes on him instead. Since Jesus is a human being, like he never disobeyed God, he could represent us and take our sins and crimes upon his shoulders. Also, because he was God who transcended time and space, so this greater God, he could take upon the entire weight of our sins, past, present, and future, and pay the price for all of them. So though we, because of our sins, deserve to die Jesus chose for you, for me, for everyone to sacrifice himself for us and to die in our place. However, that wasn't the end. Three days later, fulfilling his promise, Jesus conquered both our sins and our death by rising from the dead, by coming from the dead, something that no one had ever done really before. (laughs) Being God, this sin, our sin, all the sin everywhere could not hold him down. Death, his death, our death could not hold him. And from rising from the dead from conquering the sin these consequences of sin death he won freedom for us all and after 50 days of revealing his victory to his followers jesus returned to god the father in heaven but to equip these followers so that they could spread this story this fundamental story of our existence the good news of what jesus had done for humanity he sent to them the power of the holy spirit which is god's living presence in the third person of the triune God. This church, founded by Jesus and his human followers, spread throughout the world and time, leading to now, to you and me on this earth, where we are now. And the message that they offer behind, you know, this besides this great story, the core message of what they offered is this, is that a story of redemption and redemption for you, whatever mistakes you've made, ways you've fallen, Whatever your story is, you can find redemption because of your place in humanity's story. 
the story of God's redeeming of us through Jesus Christ. And I just want you to know this through the depths of your heart. There's so many times where me and my life, I felt like I was too far away, that I had done too much to receive God's mercy, to come to him or come back to him. And that's just such a lie. This redemption, it's possible for you no matter what. And this redemption, though it's totally free, it must be accepted. Almost like if someone gives you a gift, you have to choose whether to actually receive it or not. Like you can say no to this gift because Jesus, like he respects our free will. Our free will is what made us choose to sin in the first place. Even our own lives, individuals, we've chosen to go against our consciences and disobey God. He offers us the ability to refuse this gift and refuse him and what he offers to us if that's what we choose. But if we do choose to accept this gift, which we do through faith in Jesus, so that's one, through faith in Jesus. Two, choosing to turn away from our sin, so repenting of our sin. And three, entering into the family of his church through baptism. We do these three things. We can have our sin completely washed away and experience the freedom of a restored relationship with God and everything that offers, which is everything. There's life, joy, meaning, and purpose that I never knew was possible in my life until I received that gift. Gift, And though we like in our lives and in my life, I've experienced many of the lasting consequence of like humanity sin, of the sin of those before us in our own lives, which is pain, suffering, injustice, every pain that you've experienced in your life. Our relationship with God, which has been restored through what Jesus did, is so powerful that it transcends death. So that despite the death of our bodies, our spirit lives forever in harmony with God. So this is the story. This is the story of life, of humanity, of everything. We need to know this story so that it permeates every aspect of our existence and so that we can respond to anything that comes in our way in our life in light of the story. Just as Wakandans were dictated their life and how they lived by their story, that should do the same for this story because this is the real story of everything. Thank you for your listening to part one of Black Panther on Redemption and Mission. Part two, I promise, will be up in less than 24 hours after I post this. Just to give you a taste, I talk about the life of Moses the Black, a North African man that began his life as a slave, became a murderer, led a violent band of thieves, then experienced an immense moment of redemption. He became a monk, an abbot, and then was killed for his faith, eventually becoming a saint. Finally, I deep dive into Black Panther's central theme of isolationism versus mission. Pinpoint the right balance that Jesus calls us to as individuals and as a whole church, which I'm super passionate about. Don't miss it by subscribing on whatever app you're using. Final shout out before we go to my Patreon supporters, Danny Bloink and Carol Sharon for making this podcast possible. They're contributing every time I concoct one of these abominations. (laughs) Consider joining them in supporting my mission through a part of your tithe every other week, which you can find on the Patreon link below. Follow me on everything. 
And all right, on to part two. What kind of?